1 Timothy chapter 6. We've been uh, discussing for teaching the last several services on the subject of faith. We're specifically thinking about faith for the healing and the uh, ongoing health and protection of our bodies uh, and our, also our provision and our prosperity. However, the life of faith, the principles of faith, the law of faith applies to all of our, whatever it may be, right? Uh, our inheritance in Christ is wonderfully vast. It is so big, so comprehensive that Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, we're not turning there, but you can find him praying a Spirit-inspired prayer where he is asking the Holy Spirit to open up the eyes and the hearts of Christians' understanding that they might know what is the riches of the glory of their inheritance in the saints. And that's wonderful, you know, poetic biblical language to basically say Paul was praying that Holy Spirit help them to see everything they have in their inheritance. In other words, it's going to take divine help for you and I to even know what God has provided for us in its fullness. Amen. I don't know about you, I'm interested. I'm going to let no blessing you know, um, willed to me by Jesus, amen, in, my, in, his new, in the covenant, go unappropriated in my life. I mean, you know, if someone, uh, you were the beneficiary in someone's will, I don't know, you probably would not have a problem. We, we hear, we think well enough to know, he left me what? He, Papa left me that classic car? Are you sure? Well, you're going to feel a little less bad about Papa being in heaven, aren't you? I mean, you, and you probably wouldn't feel guilty at all about getting her out, you know, and, and because he wanted you to have it. Legal for you to have it. He wanted you to have it. You probably, if you think right, you have no problem having it. Well, most publishers in between the two covenants put a page, it's not divinely authored, but the publisher sticks in a page where you, you know, you're going to get into Matthew, the new, right, the, the, what does they say, the testament, the new testament, will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Healing belongs to us. Provision, prosperity, even wealth belongs to us. A sound mind belongs to us. Not dying in a car accident, a tragedy, a crime, anything like that, that belongs to us. Amen. So, so much belongs to us. Ruling and reigning in life. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 17 in the Amplified. says that you and I are supposed to rule and reign over our, not people, but circumstances like a king in this life. Now, religion won't teach you that, but the Bible teaches you that. The New Testament teaches us that. Praise God. But we must understand that God's a faith God. He is a faith God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That word please means to satisfy Him. God is not satisfied with us. Loves us, but He is not pleased with us. If we aren't living and walking by faith. Amen? And I want to please Him. But I like, for some reason, I like that word satisfy. Right? Because when I satisfy the conditions attached to any particular promise from God, amen, and faith is one of those basic conditions, then I position myself to receive the manifestation, right, of what He has bled and died and was raised from the dead for me to have. Amen? Hallelujah. I don't know, I'm just especially thinking about our finances today. Amen? You know, in chaos and disorder, rising prices, all of this stuff, praise God. Listen, you know, your faith is designed for right now. Your faith is designed for hard times. Your faith, you, your faith will allow you to feast in famine. Amen? I intend to feast in famine. 
Uh, one of the headlines I read today, uh, you know, cruising the news was that uh, parents are reporting when people are asking, I don't know how they find this out, they're skipping meals to try to stretch the budget. Well, listen, I ain't going to be skipping no meals. In fact, I'm, if necessary, I will be feeding people. How about you? Amen. And we'll be, a, we'll be an answer to people's difficulty. First Timothy, but all of these things, all of these things come by faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. God doesn't deal in dollars and cents, but He does deal in faith. God is not a respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of faith. In other words, in all things being equal... And when it comes to healing or prosperity or anything, if David has faith and I fail to exercise faith, David will get the blessing and I will go without. And it's not God in His sovereignty choosing for David to have it and me not to. He had faith which pleases God. I failed to have faith and I'm going, do you see how that works? So faith is what we bring to God, amen, and the answer, the manifestation, the substance of our faith is what He brings back into our life. So again, I know I'm being redundant a little bit, but it's okay. Praise God. Amen. You and I don't experience in life, we don't receive from God according to what He wills or what He wants. Because He wants for all of us to have an abundance. He wants us all to have a house that wants a house. All of us to have a car that needs a car, wants a car. Amen. Praise God. And He's made abundant provision for it. But faith is what you and I bring to receive that. Amen. And faith is so supernaturally wonderful. All of the opposition, all, the devil himself arrayed against you cannot stop the fulfillment and the manifestation of what you are believing for if you will get in faith and stay in faith until it shows up. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's look at this. We want to get good at faith. I, uh, in uh, one of the... Pastor Nancy's reading materials, I, I saw a quote from her. She said, imperfect faith produces imperfect results. Paul said to the Thessalonians, I long to, you know, basically I want to come that I might perfect that which is lacking or imperfect in your faith. Now, their faith was growing. Their faith was uh, coming up higher. They were being talked about wonderfully about their faith. They're the believers in Thess Thessalonica. Amen. But evidently, Paul said, I can't wait to get back to you because I know God will use me to perfect that which is still lacking in your faith. As I stand here tonight, as you sit there tonight, can we be honest and say, my faith isn't perfect. The faith quality of it that God gave me is perfect, but my use, it's like the tool I have in the shop. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. My use of the tool is not yet perfect. Nothing wrong with the saw, but I just can't quite cut a perfectly straight line yet. It's not the saw's fault, it's my fault. There's nothing wrong with your faith, but how you use your faith isn't perfect yet. Amen. Well, the more our faith is matured, the more our faith is tweaked, the more we learn and sit under the message of faith and are taught the principles and the laws of faith, amen, the more perfect our results will be. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy 6.12, let's read this. Paul says here to Timothy, Fight. Everyone say fight. fight. Okay, praise God. Now, if you're going to fight, that means there's, there's opposition. Right? So it says fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Now, why would Paul be telling Timothy, a young man who is, he was born again when, when Paul found him, why is he telling them to lay hold on eternal life? Well, because eternal life encompasses more than just your salvation. Eternal life includes everything that eternal life bought, paid for. So he is telling Timothy, a born-again Christian, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. I want to read this to you from the uh, Kenneth, Dr. Kenneth Wiest, W-E-S-T. Uh, his translation of the New Testament says it this way, and I like this so much. It says, be constantly engaging in the contest of the faith, or of faith. Which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. Mm. 
I will. The Weiss translation says, you know, the original says, original English says, fight the good fight. Well, Dr. Kenneth Weiss, his understanding of the Greek, he translates it this way, be constantly, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. Which, describing the contest of faith or the fight of faith, the fight of faith is marked by its beauty of technique. Now, I've had Kenneth Sweet's translation. I've preached out of this before, but I, I don't ever recall. It just jumped off the page at me today, marked by the beauty of its technique. I looked up the word technique in a good definition. There are many definitions. But it is the skillful ability to apply procedures and methods so as to be able to produce the desired result. That's a technique. The te a technique is the skillful ability to apply principles, methods, amen, procedures, so as to be able to produce the desired effect. Oh, hallelujah. It's a wonderful way of saying that faith is a law. Romans chapter 3, we're not going there, but... Faith is a law. It calls, it, Paul says the term, the law of faith. Now, we don't want to turn faith into this dry set of push this button, pull this lever. That's what's wrong with a lot of believers. And they've heard faith so much that they've made it that. But remember, faith in its purest sense is just simply trust in God. Relying on God and it flows out of relationship. So if your relationship and your fellowship and you're not hearing from Him through His Word and by His Spirit, then your faith is jacked up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, that's just that's the way it is. Amen. It can be repaired, but it's just messed up. Amen. But it is also true that there are there is a technique that we can become knowledgeable of and skillful in, and that we, when, when, when we learn the technique of faith and we gain skill, amen, in our individual ability to, uh, to apply, to put to work the laws of faith, the procedures of faith, then we know going into any endeavor, we know how to produce the desired result. So if you're sitting there tonight and the desired result is healing for your body, amen, then praise God, when you become skillful at applying the procedures of faith, the laws of faith, the technique of faith, you will always be able, in partnership with God, to receive your healing. Doesn't matter what comes against you. Amen. Apply it to finances. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what falls apart. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. Uh, praise God that our Father has made provision for us, amen, uh, to appropriate the, the supply and the finances that He's ordained for our life. My God shall supply. Amen. amen. And uh, I like that, don't you? Amen. Praise God. Well, one of the things I wanted to point out to you tonight is a reminder that there is a fight to faith. There is a fight to faith. If there was not a fight to faith, Paul would not have had to say, fight, Timothy, fight, fight. The fight of faith. Now when you think about how Dr. Kenneth Weiss translated it, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. I, I look at it this way, you know, uh, think about boxing or a kickboxing match. And they've got a stage, if you will, an elevated box and a matted stage, and it's got ropes or some sort of cage, a fence or whatever, and you are going to step into the arena, and there's going to be an opponent in that arena, and you're going to fight. Yeah. Right? And so this is the picture I get when Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't, don't live your life in the seat watching. Don't live your life outside of the arena. But get in there, Timothy. Get in the fight and be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. In other words, this is something that I just, I get in and I'm, I'm doing it on purpose. 
And I'm going to be ever using my faith. I will never not be using my faith. I mean, everything's just right and rain. All my debts are paid. Bless God, I'm going to find something to build, to give, to do a project. Amen. I just love what I hear coming out of the Madala camp. Well, we bought this land, but now we're buying more land. Then, then we're, we're gonna, and then they're going to buy more land. Then they got faith, and they've got it all. And then, okay, now we built the orphanage with the church on top and the quarters, but now we need the school, okay? So now we got the school, and now I get to visit with them again, and now they've got a playground in the back. Amen. Praise God. And now they're, what are they going to do on this new piece of property? They're going to build a Bible training center. Amen. And so this is what it is, and this is what frustrates people who just want to be done and they don't want any demand on them. No, we should be ever reaching, ever building, ever expanding, ever taking more ground for the kingdom. And our, our practice place for faith and taking possession is your personal life. That's why sometimes, don't, don't, be, don't be surprised if God... Actually, you, you're perfectly content with your old beater of a car. It's paid for, you know, and you're getting down the road, and, and that's fine. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God starts stirring you to get out beyond what makes you comfortable. He is wanting you to practice. He is wanting you to, you know, He doesn't want you, uh, again, sitting on the sidelines of the faith fight. He wants you in it and engaged in it constantly. Now, what would keep someone from getting in the arena? Fear. Fear of getting beat up. Fear of getting whipped. Fear of getting embarrassed. Fear of it not working. Amen. But listen, he didn't say fight the fight of faith. He said fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight. you got to remember, who are you taking with you into the arena? You're taking the God of the universe into that fight. Amen. Hallelujah. The champion of all champions. The God who's never lost a battle. Amen. Hallelujah. And he's with us. But you must, if you're not this way, you must stir up within yourself. Ask the Holy, the Holy Spirit to help you and to, to develop within yourself a, a fighting spirit in a, in a good sense. Amen. Hey, Brett. Brother Brett, could you warm us up just, just, just ahead? So, praise God. There, you, you cannot be this case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be, float around, you know, I'm okay, I'm comfortable. Listen, I'm not talking about being greedy. I'm not talking about being covetous. I'm not talking about being worldly. Amen. But you ought to have your faith muscle pressed up against a weight all the time. All the time. All the time. And God doesn't typically want you practicing on His kingdom people. So, amen. You know, uh, one of my friends, Pastor Jeff, their church, as he pioneered their church, their church, he pastors up in the Chicago area, and uh, they needed a building. They needed a new, bigger building. And uh, as he, that's what his heart was in. That's what the church needed. That's what his prayer life was towards. And, and he told me that the Spirit of God said to him, I want you and your wife to buy a high-end home. Well, his natural mind kicked against that. He said, Number, Father, we, we want to put every, we want, the church needs a building. It's not time for us to imagine telling God it's not time, you know, when he says, well, well I've done it too. And, uh, you know, but his mind kicked against that because then again, he, he, he began, the devil no doubt helped him have these thoughts of, what is your church going to think when the pastor and his wife have this luxury home, this palatial home, while the church doesn't even have a proper building? You know how people are. But the Spirit of God would not relent. And so they, they relented and obeyed. And they had to go through this whole process in themselves. They had to work on their minds to get up to God's definition in what He was talking about for them, about what that house looked like. They had to look at the price in Chicago for that type of home and not choke on it. Yeah. 
They had to start sowing their seed for it. They had to change their confession. Then they, had, they laid hold of it, and then they had to maintain it and, and do all that, and they did that. And it all came to pass over a period of time. Amen. And what he realized after, it was not about the home. At the end of that process, their faith was on a different level. I said their measure of faith was on a different level. And now they, are able to, they were able to step in and tackle, amen, the, the faith they, you know, with the faith they needed, the measure of faith developed for the building, and they have the building. See, God will oftentimes use your personal life yeah, He wants you blessed anyway. But He wants it all done by faith. He doesn't want it done by the sweat of your brow. He doesn't want you just up to debt by, in your, by you know, to your eyeballs. Amen. And so, Amber, you know, God has done Amber and I that way at times. God told me to buy a luxury car for her. And I drug my feet for a couple of years on that. Amen. And, uh, but we finally did it. But see, you know, anyway, pray. you get what I mean? But there is a fight to faith. And you have to be, you have to take, you have to step into the arena relishing the fight, expecting the fight, ready for the fight, knowing, amen, that when the last bell is rung, you will stand there with your arm in the air, I'm the winner. Amen. Now, faith is a fight because faith has enemies. Faith is a fight because faith has enemies. Let me give you five enemies of faith. Number one, the devil and demons. He's not going to watch you see a promise from God in the Bible, stir your faith toward it, lay hold and go towards that. Amen. Some life-changing thing, right? Maybe a disease or some condition that you've had in your, for years. And you, you get a glimpse of healing in the Word, and you're, you're doing good, you're laying hold on that. He, he doesn't want you healed of that. He doesn't want you healed of that. And He sure doesn't want you going around showing everybody and telling everybody that Jesus healed you. So He will, demons will get involved opposing your faith. Amen. The second uh, enemy to your faith is a natural world that is dominated by the curse. We live in a natural world that's dominated by the negative, right? Machinery wants to break down, right? Stuff wants to rot and decay. Weeds want to grow. Diseases want to come. Viruses want to spread. Poverty wants to get a hold of you. Amen? And so our faith can and will, but we have to understand, we have to overcome. See, faith was easy for Adam before the fall because his faith, he would just get instant manifestations, no doubt, because there was nothing opposing his faith. Our faith still works, but there's a time element now. That's where the, that's, you know, part of the fight is because we, are, we have all those headwinds coming against our faith. And number two, one of those is just a natural world that's dominated by the curse. Number three is the unrenewed mind. The unrenewed mind is an enemy to your faith. And the more analytical and thinking and questioning kind of person you are, the bigger that enemy will be in your life. You have got to learn to get out of your head and get into your heart. Faith flows from your heart, not your head. And faith doesn't need to have all its questions answered to work. Amen? But I, I know some people, I like the way Dr. Jacobs calls them, they're just heady people. And you could just see through their eyes the gears grinding. How, well, how does that work? And well, the doctor said, and you know what the, yeah. That unrenewed mind, amen, is an enemy to, to your faith. It's something that you have to fight against. Your mind will want to fight you. Now, amen. Now, you can turn your unrenewed mind into a renewed mind and turn an enemy to your faith into an ally. 
But you're not going to get your mind renewed in a day or a week or a month. And it's something that you've got to tackle on your own. You've got to recognize, I don't think right. I don't think right, but I want to think right. And I'm going to take the Word of God, and I'm going to sit under anointed preaching and teaching. Amen. And I'm going to let God help me renew my mind. I've got to think in line with His Word. It's, it's amazing to me that people think that they can receive what they need and want from God while at the same time opposing His Word. You, you cannot live in, and think and talk in opposition to what His Word says and get an answer from Him. Amen. And people end up opposing themselves by taking a stand against God's Word. Maybe they're ignorant, they just don't know that they're doing it. But that's why it's so important that you live in the Word, you're fellowshipping with God's thoughts, and you're doing it consciously, I'm looking to allow these words I'm reading to reflect against how I think. I'm not just mindlessly reading to say I read the Bible. But I know that this is a written expression of how God thinks. And if, if I come, and when, not if, but when I come across a thought that expresses a thought totally different than the way I've thought, been taught, been raised. Come on, it's going to happen to all of us. Amen. You know, I've told this before, but I, got, I, I began as a denominational boy to to get some light from the Word that healing belonged to me. But then I had this thought, well, that's only to a point. Because you've got to die of something. You have to die of something. So, you know, when you get old and God wants you to come to heaven, He's going to have to just take healing off of you and let a disease take you out. Otherwise, you just keep living. You live here forever. That sounds very rational. That sounds very logical, very scientific, based in a lot of evidence, but it's not scriptural. And then I, I, as I just kept reading in the Bible, eventually you come across passages like Jacob. When he got to the end of his life, he did not die of a disease. He closed his eyes and the Bible says he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. Even Jesus didn't die ultimately because of what... It says he gave up his spirit. He gave up the ghost. So evidently, I, but come on, it, it's a, it was a new thought. But evidently I thought, hmm, I don't have to die after going through this horrific, you know, through the jaws of death. I can just leave. Now see, that's the biblical New Testament thought. But how many Christians do you know think that they expect to fulfill the plan of God, get really satisfied, really old, have a conversation with God and just leave. See, a lot of you don't think like that. You should. How do you want your exit? We're all, if Jesus tarries his coming, we're all going to leave this earth through physical death. How do you, I don't want to do that suffering. I don't want to do that with tubes. I don't want to do that isolated, forgotten, rotting away in a nursing home somewhere. I think that's just a tragic, tragic way to, to end your life. So, but see, you, you need to expose your mind and your thoughts to what the Bible says in these areas. I love like Philippians. Paul says, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm, in a rock, you know, I'm between a rock and a hard place, having a desire to depart. He didn't say a desire to die. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which would be for me far better, or to stay here, because to stay here would be needful for you. And he says, I haven't really decided what I'm going to do yet. Now, that's just a new thought for most people. What do you mean you have a thought about it? You know, the way I heard it preached was you have an appointment with God. And if the appointment strikes while you're walking down the sidewalk, brother, that's just it. It's just done. It's just over. But see, there's no scripture for that. See, it's just one example. Maybe you've been taught that, uh, that it's unrighteous, unholy, and ungodly to have anything nice. I mean to have something nice. Something that you don't need for the kingdom. You just like it. 
right? And maybe you've been taught to think, you know, only in terms of, well, you shouldn't have that. Think about how many orphans could eat if you sold that. Listen, the orphans are over already eating. The Bible says that God gives us lavishly, one translation says, all things richly to what? For what's the purpose? To enjoy. Not to sell and give away. But to enjoy. See, I'm, I'm in the process of obtaining things and just as I live. And it's, gonna, it's in my house because I like looking at it. What's the purpose? What's the, there's no purpose except I like it. Hello. See, you, again, you've got to expand your thinking. Amen? You've you got you to think and know that God is big enough to fund the work in India and get you what you want at the same time. And we're led by Him, aren't we? If, if He says, this chunk of money's not for you, honey, this chunk, I need you to put it over here, then we do that. But then... We don't force ourselves into that flow when God's saying, I want you to get that. I want you to get that for yourself, sweetheart. You need to, you need to be good at that flow too. Brother Hagin said this. He said, your faith will be ineffective if you don't have all three of these elements in sync together. Your thinking, your believing, and your speaking have to all be in line with God's Word. And he said, if any one of those is out of kilter, your faith will be hindered. See, if your thinking is right, your believing will be right. If your believing is right, your speaking will be right. And when your believing and your speaking is right, you get it. Believing with your heart and speaking with your mouth, amen, are the two most basic fundamental techniques of faith you believe with your heart what God said you believe it in your heart and then you speak it with your mouth amen but the body of Christ even after decades and decades and decades of good teaching on those two things believing with your heart and speaking with your mouth I know because I fellowship with Christians they still don't have that right they still talk doubt they still talk fear they still talk what they feel they talk what they see and they don't talk the word. And they don't know it. They're just sweet, but they're, they're in that mode. They're in that mind. It's a habit to them. And they want God to do for them. But then when they're outside of that conscious flow, then they're talking negatively. They're, ta they're taking side. Their words are taking sides against what they just asked me to pray and agree with them about. You can't get results like that. Are you with me? Okay, so we spent a little time on the unrenewed mind. Amen. It's an enemy to your faith. Number four, unbelieving people. <laughs> unbelieving people are an enemy to your faith. So you have to be, you can't get away totally from unbelieving people. Right? But you must learn to, like Jesus said to Jairus, overhearing and ignoring what they said overhearing and ignoring what they said. You have to be really good at that if you read the newspaper, really good at that if you, if you watch the news. Overhearing but ignoring what they said. Amen? And you cannot allow unbelieving people to influence the way you think, the way you believe, and the way you speak. And it really gets personal, it really gets real for most of us pretty quick because um, unbelieving people often live with us. They might be totally with you in uh, one area, like healing, but totally not thinking right in the area of giving, tithing, and money, and all of that kind of stuff. I, I know that some people I can really go to in this area and I'll get a robust faith response from them. And they're a help to me. But I don't go to them in, in maybe some other area because they're weak in that. 
If I'm going to get someone else involved with my prayer of faith, then I want to find someone who is stronger in faith in that area than me. This is where when you get your mind renewed, you will do a lot less of this whole prayer tree, prayer train, Facebook prayer requests. You listen, you do not want to involve every Tom, Dick, and Harry in your prayer life. You just don't. What are they thinking? What are they believing? You, oh my gosh. If you really knew, you'd be like, please, I will pay you not to pray. Just leave it alone. Just keep your you know, faith off of it. So many times watching Brother Hagin, listen to Brother Hagin, he would say, listen, listen, please. Just, just shift her in neutral. That's what he'd say. In other words, don't try to believe nothing. I, I, please, don't try to believe anything. I'll do the believing. And he would get the answer for him. You need to be wise about who you involve. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. You, bam, bam, where else do you want to shoot yourself? Bam, bam, I mean, no. They might be sweet. You want them at Thanksgiving, right? They may, you may, they may be a great cheer person for your favorite basketball team, but you just do not want them engaged in spiritual work with you. When I was doing in the big contest fights of faith, I'm going to get Dr. Dufresne in the ring with me. I'm going to get Dr. Jacobs in the ring. I'm going to reach out and get Pastor Nina. I'm going to get my wife in the ring with me. Just, just have some wisdom and be discerning. Just understand that you're going to bump in business, in life, in community, you're going to bump into a lot of sweet people who don't believe anything. Just don't let them stop you. Amen? You start breaking out of the pack, all those unbelieving people start pointing a finger at you. Anyway, number five, this is a big one. We're talking about faith is a fight because faith has enemies. Enemy number five is thoughts and feelings. Your feelings are a huge enemy to your faith. <laughs> because so much of the time, what your feelings register are the exact opposite of faith. Your feelings are very in tune with everything related to doubt failure, negativity, questions. Right? You just have to learn, amen, how to have emotions and not be ruled by them. Faith should not, the life of faith should not turn you into some numb, cold stone of a person. You shouldn't. I mean, you, some television program, some, strong, some song. Usually I've got a song that's just living big in me. Like right now it's that Charity Gale song, I Speak Jesus. You know, and before that it was, uh, you know, C.C. Winans' version of uh, I Believe For It. And I mean, you'd put her on and it's like, I'll be painting the wall back. <laughs> I mean... So I have emotions. I'm dealing with some, you know, situation in my personal life where that it is invoking negative emotions. But I just have to understand. I, I I'm gonna have to. I'm not gonna let you sabotage my faith. I just recognize you for what you are. You're a feeling. You're a feeling. You're an emotion. But I'm not gonna let you rule me. You're not going to decide the outcome. So many just go with the feeling and let the feeling determine the outcome of the fight. Don't do that. Just understand their feelings. We all have them. When you get a love letter from the IRS, we're all going to have the same feelings. When your spouse walks out on you, we're going to have similar feelings. Right? When the doctor says certain words, we're all going to have similar feelings. Hello? That, that stack of unpaid bills, it, it says the same words to all of us. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? 
Hello. But they're just feelings. So did you get those? They're not all of them, but the devil and demons, a natural world dominated by the curse, the unrenewed mind, unbelieving people, your emotions or feelings. These are negatives. These are enemies to your faith. But do you know faith has friends? Faith has allies. Faith has allies. Come on. And uh, that, uh, faith that will just hook on with, uh, with, you know, come alongside faith. Let me give you, I got six of these real quick. Number one is praise. Praise is a friend to faith. It'll step into an impossible situation with a Goliath in the arena and just stand there and go, hallelujah, praise God, glory to God, hallelujah, praise you. You're so big, Father. I worship you. I love you. I'm looking at, look at how big you are, how strong you are, how faithful you are. I glorify your name. I praise you, Father. It's a friend to your faith. It's fuel to your faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise is a friend of faith. It's an ally of faith. We're not going there, but in Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham, in believing for the impossible, the birth of his son, that he did not stagger. He was not weakened in faith. He was not weak in faith, but in, in, he did not stumble at the promise of God. He did not stagger and trip at the promise of God, but was made strong in faith for two reasons. Number one, he gave glory to God. He gave glory to God. So yes, faith is a fight. So sometimes with tears streaming down your face under the pressure and under the feelings of the contradictory circumstances you're dealing with, yet you have the promise of God. You have the word of God on that. And you hold that up before God and you say, Father, right in the midst of this pressure, I praise you, I thank you, I worship you. This is how it's going to turn out. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of getting to stand here in the face of these enemies and laugh. Ha, ha, ha. And just praise God. Praise God. Now I could preach on that for a series, but i got to leave it. Number two, patience. Patience is the best friend of faith. Come on. you got to, and really the word is endurance. The Greek word is Endurance. The ability to hang in there. The ability to stay with it. You have to bring faith's best friend into the arena with you. Amen. The ability to not quit. The ability to, the Bible word for patience, it means endurance, and it means to be constant, unwavering, and unchanging the same. I'm not just... A lot of people think patience is, I'm just waiting in any attitude. Come on, God, you're late. I'm being patient. No, you're not. It's a joyful, knowing, confident, unchanging, enduring, I'm ever the same. And if I have to stand in this arena looking at that enemy, looking at that bill, looking at that sickness for another week or for another month or for another year or for another decade... I will be here doing it because I don't just have faith. I've got patience. I know this. God's coming through. You with me? You have to develop this. Number three, joy. Joy is a friend of faith. People who say, Pastor, I'm really believing. I just really am. I'm believing. Not the way, not the way you need to. You need to have your faith perfected. I heard Pastor Nancy say something that I, again, just listening to her, it's just like, where have I been? But you know, fatigue has been something I've dealt with the last year. You know, I get good sleep, I sleep long enough, too much sometimes, amen. And, uh, you know, eat good food, exercise, and I'm tired all the time. So anyway, I had to figure that out. Anyway, along this line, that's, maybe that's why it stood up to me. Pastor Nancy said, if people are, you know, dealing with weakness all the time, they're tired all the time, it's a joy issue. It's a joy issue. And where's she getting at? The joy, Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord equals strength. 
it's not just a matter of vitamin D. It's not just a matter of vitamin it's a Sometimes it's a joy issue. You know, if we get into this mode of moping and we're down and we don't have a positive outlook, we're not having a vision, we're not going somewhere, and we're just thinking about troubles and people's disappointments and what we don't like about life, you're gonna re- your body's going to break down. Your body's going to register the fatigue. You're just going to be... T- but when you have vision... When, you have, when you're going somewhere and your faith is on something and you're in the will of God you're move, and you're, you've got the fruit of joy working in you, amen, amen. it can overcome a lot of yeah. lack of vitamin D and a little lack of sleep and all that, you know, amen? amen. And so uh, that's why uh, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always, always, always rejoice. Uh, again, I don't have time to go there, but... In 1 Peter, you could read about it. In talking about faith, he says, even though you don't believe, yet you rejoice. I mean, you believe, but you don't see. You believe, but you don't see. Yet, not seeing, you rejoice. With joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the outcome of your faith. See, how do you get to receiving the outcome of your faith? By rejoicing. See, if you really believe then the friend of faith will show up. You're joyful. Your body says I'm not healed, but your heart and your mouth says I'm healed, and I'm going to joy over it. I have all kinds of pressure and opposition, things coming against me, but if God be for me, who could be against me? Praise God. Hallelujah. And 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 you're not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. If I look all gloomy and say, well, I have joy, Pastor, on the inside. No, when your team wins on a final, you know, dramatic three-point shot in the playoffs to clinch the series, everybody's going to know you got joy. Everybody's going to know. The popcorn bowl's going to be spilled. You're running around the coffee table. You're acting a fool. And everybody thinks that's okay at a sporting event. You come to church, and and you get thrilled about the Word of God and the promise of God. Amen. And you get kind of happy about it, and people want to call you a nut. Just remember, they're the nut. Get excited over a piece of leather like this, it means nothing. You get excited about something that will heal your body against... Change your mind, that's right. All right, so joy is a friend of your faith. Here's another one, peace. The supernatural divine flow of peace. Peace. Never leave peace. I don't care what's going on. Amen? Praise God, I don't care what's going on, I'm, I'm going to have peace. If i got to bury everybody around me, I'm going to have motions and things and all that, but I'm not going to leave peace, I'm going to stay peaceful. And you have to practice this, I'm not perfect at it, my wife will tell you I'm not perfect at it. She might tell, tell you that I haven't graduated Peace Elementary School yet, but I am working on it. And I'm a lot less troubled about things that used to really irritate me. And they still irritate me, but I just don't leave peace over it anymore. Amen. Oh, it's not you, sir. It's not you. Amen. All right. But Jesus said, my peace, I leave. I'm not taking my peace to heaven with me. I'm leaving it with you. Amen. Learn to be peaceful. The peace of God isn't, you know, it's not about producing uh, calm seas in your life all the time. The peace of God is something internal that you walk in when all hell has broken loose in your life. And yet you stand there in faith, in patience, praising God, full of joy and peaceful. Amen. Number five, I already mentioned, is the renewed mind. The renewed mind is a great friend to faith. Amen. Introduce your faith. To a renewed mind. They they would love to meet. (laughs) Amen? They really would. And then number six is like-minded fellowship is a friend of faith. That we, We all feel the effect of the pressure, right? We are human beings. We're born again, we're supernatural, but we are, we do have a humanity about us. And when you have someone who thinks like you, believes like you, amen, that can step in and say, hey, listen, 
I'm starting to see you teeter a little bit. Buck up, son. What's going on? Amen? Let me pray with you. You've, you've stood for too long. You've come too far. We're not going to waver here at the promise. Let me put my hand on you. Cast that doubt off. And, and just encourage the person. We don't, we don't want to be judgmental or condemning, but we need to be able, like-minded fellowship will say, hey, listen, I've been there, but I see fear in your eyes. Have you been in the Word? You still standing? Amen? Listen, I'm standing with you. Right? Be there for each other. Wigglesworth got off the boat, and he came up to a missionary friend that was hosting him. Hadn't seen him for a long, long time. And uh, when he got face to face with him, he said, What's up with you? I can tell you're not up to par. And the minister was discouraged. Wigglesworth picked that up. Not in a condemning way, but he was able to help bolster. Right? The Bible does say that the righteous man will stumble. Yeah, even seven times. But the thing about him is, he gets up again. And getting up's a lot easier when you have a brother or a sister in Christ saying, I'm here for you, man, get back up. And this is why it is all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make myself close here, but it is always the wrong decision to leave like-minded, believing fellowship, amen, in a church that believes in a broader, more fuller sense about healing and the move of the Spirit and the promises of God than maybe another church and go to a church that's operating in lesser light for any reason. That is the wrong decision. Because if they don't have that light, they're not going to be, they may be very sweet people, yes, amen. And you may like their whatever, their praise and worship or their paint color or whatever, amen. But you need like-minded fellowship on the highest level of light you can. It's always the wrong decision to leave a church with higher light to go to lesser light. Brother Hagin said it is dangerous to come up to light and then walk away. And I'm not saying we are the brightest lighthouse in Paducah, but I'm just saying it grieves me when I hear someone tell me, Pastor, I'm leaving the church and I'm going to some, and I know what they don't preach. I know what they don't believe. And I've heard them even say to me, Well, it's okay, Pastor, because you taught me good. Well, you know, your faith won't remain robust. When you're living in fellowship with people who are sweet but don't have that level and measure of faith. I'm just telling you, it's always a mistake to do that. Amen? Well, tonight we got, we got to talking about a few things. Amen? About the enemies to watch for and the friends to bring to the fight. But Lord willing, next Wednesday night, uh, depending on how God's moving, we'll pick it up right here and I want to get into... Uh, what to do and how to act when you're in the fire. Amen? Amen? Uh, when times are really tough in the natural, what does the fight of faith look like? Amen? So I believe that'll be worth coming for. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you.